1: The common factor between these folks will be the desire to follow their passion and make it a way of life. So step into this melting pot and enjoy the chats. Hi, listeners. I'm back with another weekly episode. Today, I'm in conversation with Eliza Roberts. Eliza is the inaugural executive director of Res Artists. Thank you so much for joining me today, Eliza. Thank you for having me, Kyle. So Eliza is based out of Melbourne and you have a very diverse experience in the arts industry. And I'm really, really curious to to know where it all began.
0: Yes, certainly. I... I mean, I wasn't really sure which direction I wanted to go in when I was um, much younger. Um, In my family, it's always been split between art and science. Um, Both my parents were biologists. My grandfather was an artist and it seems to go down the generations in this way. Um, But both of my sisters are creatives and in the end I decided to follow that path as well as, you know, international work and international relations which i'm obviously very interested in i think when i started working in the arts i purposely chose a very very broad arts course to do called creative arts um, which unfortunately they no longer offer um, at the university of melbourne Um, but it was a fantastic um, base from which i could i guess find out what my strengths and focus areas were And so through that, I discovered I quite enjoyed writing, you know, art history and perhaps coming up with ideas, but not actually doing the artwork myself. And so it was through that that I decided to pursue another course, my master's in art curatorship, um, also at the University of Melbourne. And that's really my background. So curatorial, mostly in the visual arts, but um, across other sectors as well and certainly international. And I guess in terms of my work experience, again, I really wanted to...
1: When you say international, is it... What exactly do you mean? Is it curating, you know, the the different arts at uh, different museums or at galleries? So is it more focused on curation when you talk about international? And is it bringing it into Melbourne? Or is it you... Going to these different countries or locations and curating work. So, what what exactly do you mean by international?
0: Yeah, sure. Well, I've always been interested in other cultures um, and I guess other countries and working internationally in different, either you know in a different region physically or um, through partnerships and collaborations and. So when I was very young, I decided to learn Indonesian, and that was that really came about because my dad uh, used to lecture over in Indonesia, and, and he would often bring you know colleagues to to Australia who we would come over to our house for dinner, for example, and I think that built you know really a solid foundation for me to be interested in other cultures and and regions, as well as some travel. And I think it all began after I finished school and started my university degrees. I decided to enrol in some international arts courses, which I did, one in the United States, and I stopped over in London to visit my sister, who was living there at the time, and applied to do an internship at Christie's, the auction house in London, yeah. And so I was there for, I was doing the intern for, I think, six months or a year. I didn't get to choose which department I was in, unfortunately, but I, I was in the silver department, which I never dreamed I would be in, okay. um, but I, I learned so much about that. And I just absolutely loved, you know, being in London in a whole different city and learning how things operate there and built up some really great um, international connections through that job. And then when I came back to Australia, I landed a different job as a curator of a commercial gallery here. Um, so that was quite locally based. Do not want to stay back in, in London
1: because there is so much art there and so much history? Is it not something that you wanted to do?
0: Well, yeah, I, from time to time now, I even dream about it, Payal. <laughs> but, but the good thing about um, my career path, you know, as it currently stands, it's led me to this position where I'm still able to travel quite a bit for work and also to keep up that international work. So yes, I I ended up back here. I tried some local jobs for a while, like I said, as well as working at Art Bank, which is very much a a local institution that supports Australian artists. And then I went on to work at AsiaLink, which is part of the University of Melbourne. And I was in the arts team running an arts residency program there. Um, And to get back to your initial question that was really about um, two-way exchange so we were welcoming um, specifically Asian artists in this case um, to Australia for placements here and partnering with different local organisations to do that and then we were also largely sending Australian artists across all different art form areas over to Asia and working with local host organisations There and it was really based around, you know, cultural training and intercultural understanding. So I absolutely loved that aspect of it. At the time, I was on the board of of Rosatis and um, eventually became the vice president and finished up my board term after six years and then transitioned to this role, um, which, as you said, was an, an inaugural role. And the first time they'd employed someone outside the Netherlands, and that is as executive director of Res Artis. Res Artis is
1: originally from
0: the Netherlands, is it? Yeah, so um, we are a Dutch foundation. Um, It actually started a very long time ago and was kind of a nomadic organisation. When it was developed, you know, arts residencies were quite minimal, I would say. There were very few arts residencies in existence, um, but they were were becoming more and more popular. And it was thought that a professional body um, was needed to you know, regulate the quality of the field, but also in terms of professional development and training for arts residency providers, um, which of, co- of course all uh, all of that is of immense benefit to artists. So that's how res artists developed and it kind of roved around Europe for some time. And then in 2003 um, it was officially registered um, in the Netherlands. But, you know, as a result of COVID we're making some changes Um, So we've had to close down our office in Tehran, which we had a couple of staff at over the past few years. Um, And unfortunately, we've had to say goodbye to a, a longstanding staff member in the Netherlands. And we're in the process of winding down that office to make Australia our international headquarters.
1: And why is that? Is there a lot of opportunity? Is, why Australia? Why not? Because isn't Australia a little... It's, it's a bit far removed from the rest of the world. So why Australia and why not, for example, in, in the UK or in, in the US or any other part of
0: um, the world? Oh, it's a very good question. I think, yeah, geographically, we are removed from the rest of the world. But as you've probably found, you know, even living in Singapore and coming into contact with Australians there, we're very avid travellers and we're we're very, very focused on international exchange, uh, you know, intercultural understanding. So we certainly don't feel... Even though we're physically distanced, we're we're very much connected to the rest of the world. Really, the reasoning behind the board's decision to make Australia our international headquarters is due to viability. We've got a, a great office space here, um, it's myself based here part-time as well as our membership manager, Carolyn Casey. Mm-hmm. So it's really our, our best um, opportunity forward and um, actually because Res Artis is an, a global network and largely the um, we do work online anyway, apart from our annual conferences, we could be based anywhere in the world. And this is, we see this as a real opportunity, actually. As I said, we've been based in Europe for some time. And of course, we still, you know, very, very much value our European membership, which makes up sort of 60% of our our overall membership base and we have european board members and you know very strong partnerships in the region but we see this as an opportunity to grow and diversify and particularly in this part of the area and you know with australia and new zealand and of course pacific nations and asian countries who are surrounding us
1: so when you say that you have uh, members are these members artists
0: well, both actually, the, the bulk of our membership, arts residency organisations, and then we also have some arts councils, um, you know, international ministries or cultural councils who are our associate members, and then we do also have some individual members who um, comprise artists but also researchers or curators, that type of thing.
1: So then the exchanges that, that you sort of work with are these physical exchanges? And and so you would have, say, artists coming to you in Melbourne for a residency? No, not at the moment. What? Obviously we- not at the moment, but is that something which prior to COVID was what was the main focus?
0: Uh, not quite, no. So um, although our office is based here, this is kind of just the, the hub behind the network. Okay, so... so- it- ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door.
1: And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Okay, I, I understand now. Yeah. So, you facilitate and get the residencies organized outside of Australia,
0: that's right, yeah, oh. all, all over the world.
1: All over. Yeah, okay. yeah.
0: interesting. Uh, yeah, so I think we have about 550 members at the moment as of this year, and so based all over the world in about 75 different countries, and so artists um, can do residency placements with them and the our, our membership is incredibly diverse so it ranges from you know very very small mm-hmm. grassroots perhaps artist-led institutions mm-hmm. to very very big you know organizations who might be connected with a national gallery or even an arts council that type of thing and um, and we see that as something that's very unique and very integral to the diversity of the arts residency landscape, um, and it creates sort of the idea that arts residencies can be accessible and inclusive to, to all. You're
1: listening to a fusion of stories recounted for the first time ever by some fascinating people from across the globe with me, Kyle, on this very unique and special podcast series, Melting Pot. You know, and we were talking before we started recording, it's what kind of a message would you send out to aspiring artists who would not necessarily have the means or the opportunity to grow, within where they are and not they may not have that culture intercultural experience so what would you recommend to them what are the kind of different steps that you would recommend they take in order to grow and develop themselves
0: yeah well I I mean I I am a bit biased but I think arts residencies are (laughs) such an amazing um, experience and opportunity um, for artists. Um, I think they are now a very fundamental part of any artist's career path. So, you know, when artists are looking for other opportunities, other other arts residencies or awards, grants, um, you know, exhibition opportunities, the people who are assessing their applications are looking for residency experience. And so I would suggest um, to artists who are looking for those opportunities really to start with our website. Um, there's a lot of information there and artists can search according to different criteria. So they can, you know, tick that they're a ceramic artist or a dancer, whatever it might be, and they need these facilities and they're interested in these countries um, even things down to, you know, is my family allowed on the residency with me or, you know, I'm, I'm a disabled artist, I need accessible spaces. So I think that's a very good starting point. And we make the, the fee breakdown um, on our website very transparent. So some residencies um, are provided for free to artists and, um, uh, even some residencies pay artists for the opportunity, whereas others fee-based. Um, so the artists need to pay a small fee. Um, and again, that reflects the diversity of the field that I was talking about earlier. Um, and our, our want to be very inclusive um, of all you know, different socioeconomic regions of the world. Um, the fact that some arts organisations can access arts funding, whereas others cannot and and also the fact that arts residency operators need to um, at least make ends meet um, in the same way that artists do. So we've laid that all out very clearly on our website um, and I think that's a great starting point. It's also a very interesting time for artists to think about doing an arts residency because there are options available that aren't normally as prevalent and that's a result of covid so, at the moment, a lot of arts residency organizations are offering alternative residency models. Mm-hmm. So, by that I mean they might be virtual residencies or stay at home or studio models. And we've found actually that that is proving challenging. I won't lie to you. Yeah.
1: I think, you know, if you're not if you're not there in person, the the feel and the experience would be so different.
0: Yes, absolutely. Yeah. There's, there's sort of pluses and minuses we've found. So obviously the challenges that are being brought about are, um, well, even simple things like internet connectivity um, that might not be available in certain parts of the world and cut out particular artists or organisations. And I guess the the thing we've found the most challenging is how to recreate um, what we call the sort of hosting element of residencies. So it's all those informal aspects of residencies that I guess people might take for granted when they're there in person, but those informal conversations in the dining room or, um, you know, just suddenly making a contact at an opening and then following that up into an opportunity. Yeah. It's very hard to recreate those. But some of the benefits that we've found, um, and particularly of benefit to older or um, even First Nations artists, for example, are the that virtual residencies enable them these opportunities of exchange without having to leave country or leave their family. Um, so it's been quite an interesting period.
1: Yeah, change, I guess, and yeah. trying to try and experiment with different uh, approaches. I can understand how interesting, but at the same time, how challenging it must be for you. So how, typically how long, I know that there are different aspects to the residencies and there are different, it could be ceramic or it could be different art forms, but typically how long would a residency last for?
0: Yeah, as you say, they can last anywhere from sort of four weeks um, right through to even a year. But I would say on average um, and what we would advocate for is about the three-month period because we find it takes artists, you know, if they haven't been to the country before, it takes them sort of a month to get settled and make connections and start developing a plan and work out exactly what what project they're working on. And then the second month is, you know, that development phase where they're producing the actual artwork or whatever it might be, the, the dance, performance, production. And then the third month is very much outcome-based.
1: Yeah. What about Australia? Okay, maybe not Australia is such a big country, but what about Melbourne? Is it something which is popular? the art residency?
0: Yeah, yeah, there there are several organisations here offering arts residency programs. I mean, I think even before COVID started, but um, it's definitely gained popularity since COVID is this idea of being in residence rather than doing it actual arts residency with accommodation um so having you know maybe a researcher in residence for example within an arts organization where they are very much considered part of the team and supported and hosted and that that leads to outcomes and professional development and training interesting I have to. I know I
1: commented about your backdrop before we started chatting because it's it's just so eye catching. Behind you, there is for for the listeners who will not be watching the interview on YouTube, very raw brick wall behind you, and there is something on on the right of you, actually on your left, which I I'm not quite able to figure out what that is. Is it's like <laughs> Is it? Yes,
0: I should turn the camera around. (laughs) I don't know if you can see that a little bit better. Yes, yes. I'm, I'm very lucky. I'm in a beautiful office space, um, which is thanks to some benefactors we have here in Melbourne who provide us with an office space, a home to live in. And I'm, I'm here with my colleague Carolyn Casey, who's our membership manager. Um, So we do, the the building itself is beautiful. Um, It's called Glass House and it's a sort of precinct which has all different businesses in here but also quite a few arts organisations. So downstairs I've got Gertrude Contemporary who have a satellite exhibition space here there's also several artist studios underneath me and in this space where we sit we also have a a gallery space that we dedicate for residency related outcomes so it could be an arts residency exhibition or an artist who's returned from a residency who'd like to share their experiences through talk or that type of activity.
1: Interesting. Yeah, it's been really nice talking to you, Eliza. I, you know, it's it's nice. I, I, I'm sure you feel like finally you're you're back and there's a lot of challenges ahead of you because like you yourself mentioned it will take a while to to figure out virtual residencies and some of it is good some of it is still challenging and you're you're working out the dynamics but I'm sure it's going to be an interesting process like anything new that you have to start working with always is a learning so um, I'm sure with your experience it's going to to work itself out and good luck with whatever lies ahead with you and with the organization and i'm really happy that we were able to have this conversation
0: thank you so much payal for inviting me it's been wonderful having a chat and i encourage all your listeners to um, have a good look at your website and listen through all your fantastic podcasts i've listened to some of them and I think they're very inspiring for, you know, anyone who's looking to work internationally or in the arts and cultural realm. So thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. Bye. You.
1: For more weekly conversations, do listen to Melting Pot on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts. Follow us on YouTube and on Instagram at PodcastMeltingPot melting Pot.